In the epistle to the Philippians, St. Paul tells them, brethren, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. So in the last two Sundays, we've spoken of our relationship to God as his adopted children, as well as his friendship toward us. Now, since God is our Father, and Mary, our mother, and Jesus, our brother, that makes you and I brothers in Christ. And therefore, we are sort of spiritual siblings, if you will. And as siblings do, we sometimes fight and quarrel and argue, and we get into all sorts of trouble and mischief. But in the end, like any sibling, we're stuck with each other. We might as well enjoy it. So it is good to know how to deal with one another. There's so many ways to approach this subject in different angles, but today I want to approach it from the thoughts that are suggested in today's liturgy. The Philippians, they were very much loved by St. Paul. They were very kind to him. They assisted him financially when he needed it. And when they heard that he was in prison, they sent him one of their own to go and visit him, bringing him alms, and while he was there to take care of St. Paul, all of his needs. And this was a very, very great source of joy to St. Paul's fatherly heart. St. Paul then sent along with this man who came with the alms an epistle. Now an epistle is just a letter, and it was written to all the Philippians. In that letter, St. Paul expresses his, his great joy and thankfulness to the people for their kindness. And if you read it, it's one of St. Paul's shortest epistles, and it really reads as a letter, a very intimate letter. If you read it, though, the whole letter is really an outpouring of his fatherly heart. Now, on the one hand, St. Paul did not need to worry too much about grave vices among the Philippians, but that didn't mean that things were perfect. He had his concerns with them because they were his spiritual children after all. He heard that two of them, he mentions them by name in, this, in the epistle, Evodia and Syntyche, that they gave way to a sort of pride and vainglory, and as a result, there is a great deal of misunderstandings, rivalries, all those things that happen among siblings from time to time. Well, amidst, in this letter, amidst the many more general admonitions to the people, he actually stops to mention those two ladies by name, saying, I beg of Evodia and I beseech Syntyche to be of one mind in the Lord. He just wanted them to get along. He wants no more rivalries among his children. And then 
after he's finished with them, he speaks to the whole group of Philippians again and exhorts them all to a spiritual joy, urging them to practice goodness and gentleness among themselves, telling them that they should be disturbed by nothing but in prayer and supplication, make their petitions known to God. And then finally, he tells them, I want you all to work together to attain Christian perfection. This is the same that is expected of us, who are brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I ask you this question. How do you treat your fellow Catholic? Sure, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of misunderstanding, and tons of gloominess. But we are still to love one another. Because think of it, Christ loved and still loves your neighbor, even the one that you regard as an enemy. He loves them so much that he would be born in a cold stable for his soul. Isn't it hard enough to be constant in our seeking for heaven? Shouldn't we all then, to relieve this burden, at least out of charity, help to lighten one another's burden along the way to heaven? I'm thinking today on Rejoicing Sunday that cheerfulness is one such help that we can render to one another. Cheerfulness is, maybe a better word for it is affability, which means to be friendly, to be good-natured towards others. And St. Thomas Aquinas actually says that affability is, while it is charity, it is also part of justice, the virtue that prompts us to always give to another what is his due, what belongs to him. Now, we, aren't we obliged to help, not to hinder, one another in the progress to heaven. Father Lovasic, who wrote a lot of really great works and very, they're easy reading and simple to understand, he said on this subject, not only are you to help the needy by your alms and the erring by your advice, but you are also to help all whom you know or meet by your kindliness, pleasantness, and affability of manner. And he says that this is owed injustice. And what a help it is in lightening another's burden as he totters his way heavenward. Cheerfulness. I'm not talking about giddiness or a lack of seriousness. Cheerfulness is a great help to those who come into contact with you. As you know by experience, people are made to feel terribly uneasy around someone who is sour, unsociable, gloomy looking. And besides, not only does the gloomy person do no help to anyone else, he only serves to intensify his own temptations. Realize that when you fall into sadness. 
but a cheerful disposition, which is not a mood, it is a disposition, something, it's a virtue, something you need to work at. It not only lifts up your neighbor's spirits, but it actually increases their hope of serving God well. Now to be cheerful, to practice cheerfulness, implies that we must rise above our feelings, even though controlling our emotions is terribly difficult. You might think, I know a lot of people do, that you're being hypocritical by acting kindly to someone when you feel that you'd rather, not to put too fine a point on it, when you feel that you'd rather slit their throat, or when you talk welcomingly and warmly to someone when you'd rather just leave the room. That's not hypocrisy, but there is no hypocrisy in being ruled by the will rather than by the feelings. That's what we're called to do. The ideal in this regard of cheerfulness is to be always the same level, constant towards everyone, kind, affable, sympathetic, encouraging, and, in a word, cheerful. St. Dominic Savio, you know him, he was a student of Don Bosco. He was known for his joyful spirit, and whenever he saw another boy who looked depressed or saddened by something, he would run over at once to try to cheer him up. On one particular occasion, he found such a boy, and he said to him, you should know that here we make holiness consist in always being cheerful. We just try to avoid sin, which is the greatest enemy that robs us of the grace of God and peace of heart, and we try to fulfill our duties exactly. I think that people often have a wrong idea of what cheerfulness is. You don't need to express your cheerfulness by laughter and smiles and jokes and light-minded chatter, because when others are sorrowful, those things are not appropriate. When others are sorrowful, a cheerful person can be serious and he can show signs of sympathy, but at the same time, he will express his cheerfulness in solid motive, in giving his neighbor solid motives for hope, fortitude, and patience. Now there are three virtues that make a person cheerful. Hope, fortitude, and fraternal charity. First, cheerfulness is actually founded upon the virtue of hope. One writer said, actually, that as long as we have something to look forward to, then we always have reason to be cheerful. Isn't that true of an upcoming vacation or a day off from work, etc.? But for the Catholic who has the virtue of hope, 
by which our eyes are fixed. They are fixed on heaven as the goal of our entire life. As long as you have that to look forward to, then there is always motive for a supernatural cheerfulness. It's only when we begin to lose hope that by degrees we lose our cheerfulness. Secondly, it's based on fortitude. Along the way to heaven, of course, you're going to meet many crosses and trials and struggles and even failures. And fortitude is that virtue that helps you to face those sorrows with courage and patience so that even when you're faced with your own mistakes, fortitude helps you to overcome all that self-pity that wants to well up in the heart that usually comes from messing up. It helps you to not let your mistakes and failures eat at you, which is actually nothing else than a total waste of energy. But the third virtue that makes one cheerful is fraternal charity. This perhaps is one of the, one of the most important lessons that I would give you today. The most important thing you can do when you are feeling down or depressed and discouraged, or like a failure, is not to retreat inwardly into your own thoughts and to isolate yourself from everyone. It is to look outwardly. It is to do good to others by acts of kindness, works of mercy, a kind word maybe, and a prayer for the needs of others. Because as they say, the, re the reward of charity is joy or cheerfulness. So when you're feeling down, you might not feel particularly cheerful this morning, but rise above your feelings. Be cheerful in your meetings with others. Cheer them up, because then in return, once you see it's cheered them up, it comes full circle, and you yourself become cheerful. In conclusion, one of the least prayed for graces, I bet you've never thought of this, one of the least prayed for graces is the grace of a cheerful or joyful disposition. So I want you today on Rejoicing Sunday to pray for such a disposition because they say that cheerfulness is contagious. And the more you help others by your own cheerfulness, the more your own will increase, as long as all of your efforts are motivated by a sincere and a true love of God, our heavenly and common Father. As St. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.